What's up, everyone? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. 866-391-1020 is the number. This is the show every week where we talk to you about what's going on in your life. Look, we all have emotions. We all deal with situations that are challenging, that are difficult. And sometimes we could use a little insight. Even if you're talking about professional athletes, people who who do what they do for a living, they have a coach. They have a coach on the sideline who says, hey, I'm seeing something that you're not seeing. And that can be the same in life. We can see things at times from the outside that you're not seeing while you're in it. Well, I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and every week I'm here on KDKA. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm I'm excited for the show tonight. Lost my voice a little bit. I lost my voice a little bit, but I'm not sick. I'm fine. I feel good. I feel strong, but my voice is struggling. So if, you, if you're tuning in and you tune in every week and you say, that doesn't sound like Dr. Conti, it's me. My voice is a little, it's a little uh, cracking. How about when I was, I was a quarterback in high school. So in high school, I really, that was one of my, my claim to fame athletically. I was a quarterback. I was <laughs> so I was undefeated quarterback in, uh, and only undefeated quarterback in the history of my school. And I, and I was awesome. In a regular season, anyway. But I'll never forget this. So one time I was, uh, <laughs> we'd get 3,000 people at our games. It was awesome. Brownsville, that's right. So we would get well, all these people here, and I got the whole, the crowd would get quiet because it was a home crowd. And um, as a as an adolescent boy, my voice was still changing. So I'll never, I'll never forget this experience. One time I said to everybody, I had my line, the line got quiet. It was a home crowd. I believe it was a playoff game. It got dead quiet. I said, down. Everybody got quiet. And my next voice was, Set. <laughs> and my voice cracked so high and people started cracking up laughing in fact my line jumped off sides and i was like i'm so sorry I, I can't help it now i'm 46 years old my voice is still cracking but this time it's cracking because um i threw my voice out i think i want to say happy birthday to sean sandler he's a, he's an awesome fan um of the show he's uh said a bunch of kind comments um for the last couple years here on Facebook and throughout the show and I just want to just appreciate you Sean happy birthday buddy hope you're having an awesome day tonight we're going to talk about look here's what I really want to dial into we no matter what you're going through no matter what you're experiencing we all go through emotions we all go through these tough times well specifically tonight here's what I want to talk about how does the content so i was saying this rob pratt's awesome here at kdk and he does does promo uh videos uh with me all the time and he was asking me tonight what's going to be on the show and i said here's the deal here's what's on the show tonight we say constantly um what i say this a lot if you follow my teachings it's what you put in your mind is going to be in your mind and i'm going to give you a visual Let, there's a whole new television show about hot hot sauce they're eating hot sauce and wings and things we're not even eating we're watching people eat it's a whole different it's a whole different air in television but anyway the show like you think about this if you eat hot wings they're going to have an immediate effect on you and that's um that's obvious we can see it right we put the hot sauce in our mouth our mouth gets on fire we get we we understand we need to take a drink something needs to happen physically but here's the reality that i want to deal with on this show tonight on emotional management and that is this the same is true with your mind whatever you put in your mind is going to impact you it's going to impact you in a big way and that might mean video games that might be violent movies but tonight what we're going to lead off with 
is a question that I got from Rich, a great, very powerful question. And here's what it is. It says this from Rich. He says, there have been a, there's been a lot of talk on talk radio today about the way schools prepare children to be prepared for potential school violence. I would love to get your thoughts on this issue. Specifically, is what schools are doing to prepare kids for potential shooters harmful for them? Thanks, Rich. Rich, great question. Love this question. I think it's so important. I've heard people talking about it today. And I want to talk about it. I want to get to this question. And, you know, listen, I'm blessed. I've had a a great mentor behind the scenes here at KDKA. Rob Pratty's guided me, taught me a lot about being on this host. I mean, he knows a lot and he's guided me tremendously. Um, he's still in the studio, so I'm going to ask him to jump on the mic here in a minute because here's the question I want here's what I want to start with and I think it would be great to have a question a discussion around and that's this. Look, there were people who've been writing in talking in earlier shows saying, "Look, when I was young and I talked to my dad about this earlier, and my dad was telling me about the experience of what it was like when he was a kid and they would have these bomb threats." And he said there were yellow uh, signs. He, re- he remembered vaguely. He said, I remember there were yellow nuclear signs and they'd take you down to a classroom or they'd take you down to a basement, to a basement, and they'd take you down there. So this isn't new. Being The fact that we're preparing our children for potential threats, that's not new. But what's new, and this is something powerful that Rob told me earlier, and I think it, I honestly think this is something we need to think about. And that is this, when my dad was young, they were worried about these nuclear threats from people they didn't know. But what Rob said that I think we need to talk about, we really need to talk about this. And that is this, these kids today are worried about someone they might know. They might say, this is Billy, this is Sal, this is whoever it is in my class that I know. And all of a sudden now this person is dangerous and is a threat to my life. So I want to talk about this. Maybe you have children who are in school. Maybe you have grandchildren who are in school. 866-391-1020 is a number, but the question is, how is this impacting them? Because I think in this show on emotional management, it's worth it for us to talk about how these drills are affecting your children. Maybe it's no different than they were for you. Maybe you were back in the day, like my dad, you were following these yellow signs down to the basement, and maybe you were worried about this abstract threat that you couldn't see, and maybe it's different today, but it's there, it's real. And here's something we know for a fact. So in the 1980s and the early 1990s, people would diagnose children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, more frequently than what it appeared to come up in the normal population. What they learned in the early 2000s was they misdiagnosed ADHD because they missed out on the trauma. Young people who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder mimic, mirror the same symptoms of ADHD, but they're doing so for entirely different reasons. So the treatment is different. Now, we don't have to worry about, and I like to emphasize this on this show. I say this all the time. There are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues and dead people. So we all have issues. I'm not care- I'm not concerned about the title or the name of what might be going on. What I am concerned about is bringing awareness to the concept that what might be actually happening with your children when they act out is a fear is a fear, there might be some fear inside them about what might be going, like, wait a minute, 
And now when you have fear, you might act out. So tonight we're going to talk about this. If you want to join the conversation, jump in 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Um, oh boy, I love this musical intro. I love this musical intro. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm blessed tonight because a mentor and a friend for me is in the studio, Rob Pratt. You know him from the Pratt Pack. He's awesome. You know him. You love him. He's here with me. I'm trying to figure this out, Rob. We're talking about this concept of school shootings and kids, like the, the anxiety that comes with these kids preparing for this. You know, people wonder why children struggle so much today dealing with everyday life. First off, they live really in a very sheltered environment. Mostly, if it's not interacting in school, they're interacting with headphones and playing video games, okay? And they're within the walls of their house. Children don't even go out and pedal a bike anymore because of the fear of what lies outside, the evil that walks amongst us that has been created in our mind through video games, social media, children with phones under 12 years of age, and they are inundated with this stuff. So when they're sitting in that classroom, the difference between your dad and I, that same generation, the fallout shelter, it was the evil empire, an enemy that we knew was out there but didn't have a face to it. And yeah. we were all in it together fighting this common enemy. But now you have issues that when you're 12, because of all of the things that you have seen throughout the week, you're sitting in school one day and you're looking across the aisle and there is someone who seems a little off kilter, maybe just dealing with life, but to you... You manifest it to where you become literally so fearful, it makes it difficult to even focus in a classroom or communicate with people. And I think the thing that we have done and really dropped the ball at, especially my generation, was passing on to the next generation to where many of these young people are now parents of their own to let their children know at all times, no matter what, we are here to protect you. And also because of maybe it wasn't the good or cool thing to do, Maybe we should have laid the law down more and said no video games until you're X amount of age and you're not going to have a phone no matter what you think or what the neighbors are doing because I want you to live in this cocoon, this shell-like atmosphere as long as you can so you can build up the stamina, stamina that's needed to d- deal with the real world. Well, two phenomenal points. One is the shelter that they're in. Like you said, you're right, headphones on, video game in front of them, so that becomes their parent. That becomes what they see over and over again. But the other thing that is, like, I got chills as you said it because it's so true, and that is when you were young, it was we are in this together, and now it's usually a classmate who's a threat so we don't know who we're not in this together because we don't know which among us might do this think of how many times a child is at home as i was nightly the news would be on in the background but how many nights parents are explaining why these school shootings are happening going back to 1999 with columbine it has been non-stop yep week after week month after month year after year so what happens now you have generations growing up having children of their own who have them hermetically sealed in the house because they're afraid to let them go out and even be a kid. 
Well, so my wife and I have conversations all the time. We were talking on the way in, and I said, um, I was going to, I was telling her what I was going to talk about tonight on the show. And I said, you know, my dad was telling me about these shelters um, when he was young. And she said, yes, with all due respect, though, it didn't happen. Nuclear threats didn't happen several times a year. It wasn't like we're watching school shootings all the time. It was only just in case. Yeah, yeah right. There right. wasn't because it was a story in the news that made us do it, because really the last nuclear bomb that was dropped was during World War II. Mm. And then we had the Bay of Pigs and that threat, which I was entirely too young to understand. But I remember being in first grade, going into the basement of this two-room schoolhouse that I attended. But it was just in case. It was just preparing. It was kind of like, uh, you know, preventative type of medicine for the mind as opposed to really thinking it was going to happen. But there is no child or no parent within the sound of our voice or grandparent who can honestly say that they've not had to explain to their beloved child or grandchild, yes, this is a fact that these school shootings are happening at an alarming rate. You have to be careful. You're right, and that's that's the part. Like I wish, I wish we could sit up in our like. Let's say they, you know, they use, use the quote the ivory tower. I wish we could sit up in the ivory tower and say, oh no, this isn't really going to happen. But the truth is, what you just said is profound. It impacts every parent out there, every person listening. You have children, or you're related, or friends with people who have children who are experiencing this. And you're right; it is a possibility that becomes foremost in their mind. Now, here's the reality. If your children are in this situation, which they are, all of us, I have children, I have a daughter, she's in this situation. Now, that means that impacts them. Now, whether they get used to it and that's their daily living, well, think about children in third world countries are getting bombed, that becomes their norm. What becomes the norm for our children? Here's the point I want to make. What, whatever your children are being surrounded with, whatever's in their mind is impacting them. It's shaping them. And if you don't have discussions with them around that and talk to them about that, what direction is it going to go? Here's a question that anybody right now could answer. 866-391-1020. And I'm going to sit here uh, with the good doctor for a while to spell him if he needs be because of that gravelly voice of his. But you go in your neighborhood, wherever you live, today, tomorrow, next week, stand on your front porch or deck, look right or left. I don't care where you live, north, south, east, or west of the city. I can almost say eight out of 10 listeners right now can say they cannot remember the last time they saw kids playing in the neighborhood outside. So if that doesn't tell you there's a red flag somewhere, then I think maybe you should realize, even if you haven't noticed it, you know, he's right. So why are these children not out playing? Even video games or not, there would have been that in that attitude to want to go out and kick up some dirt. But kids aren't doing it today for a number of reasons. And mainly, a lot of these parents don't want their kids. These are affluent neighborhoods, too. It's not the inner city. It's right. everywhere. All races, everywhere. all walks of life. People are afraid to let their children go out and play. And it's a natural It's a natural. Uh, consequence of what happens when you have this type of violence. Parents start to protect their children. They start to go inward more. I understand why they're doing that, but at the same time, you're right. When you look out, I remember as a kid, all we cared about was getting outside. Oh, let's get our bikes together. Let's go play tag. Let's go do something. But we were always out there. Fight, make up, be back out the next day. And especially in great school districts like Brownsville and the schools that have lower enrollment, at one time, they had the higher enrollments because they had the manufacturing base in the families. But if you ask, and I talk to coaches about this all the time, especially in these smaller schools, they have very small numbers as far as children participating in sports 
because they're not taking it from the playground into the school gymnasium. Kids just don't want to participate for a number of reasons, and a lot of it is because they don't go out and play in playgrounds anymore. How many abandoned baseball fields and basketball courts in communities within the sound of our voice because it's the fear factor, not just for the kids, but the parents would rather have them in the house watching these video games to where they can peek into the living room and the game room and know where they are at all times. Because parents, whether they want to admit it or not, I will admit it, even with this coronavirus, you worry about your kids mm -hmm. because of the world we're living in. We do. And and listen, when we were young, if I went out on a basketball court and I messed up, I wasn't worried about it being recorded and taped for all time, too. So these kids also have this double threat of if I do something embarrassing, if I say the wrong thing, it's going to be recorded and kept on me for the rest of my career. We didn't have that kind of pressure. So I think for us as adults in this environment, in today's milieu, that we need to be mindful that our children are going through things that we're not, we don't understand. We don't understand. We can understand cognitively, but I'm not sure we understand fully. So here's what I want to do tonight. If you're, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, give me a call 866-391-1020. I'd love to talk about this stuff. I want to help you figure out how to talk to them because this is a real issue. And the and the real issue, the thing that I pulled a time and again, I made I made the point about the the hot sauce. See the hot sauce, you you put hot sauce on wings and you put it in your mouth, you can see the immediate effect. But what about your mind? What do you put in your mind that you can see the immediate effect? Coming up after the break, I'm going to tell you a fact that's startling about not only how they train soldiers pre-World War 1, but how they train soldiers for Vietnam, because the difference in how they train soldiers, well, that actually has an immediate relevance to you, to your children, and to what they're doing. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, blessed to be joined with Rob Pat, by Rob Pratt tonight in studio on KDKA Radio. Hey, welcome back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. I'm in the studio with a mentor and a friend of mine, Rob Pratt, Pratt Pack. And uh, we're talking about a subject that I believe has a direct impact on you. If you have children, if you have grandchildren, I would love for you to call in. If you're, if you're struggling with this, 866-391-1020, if you have some concerns, some thoughts, here's what I would love to hear too. Let's say you, um, you grew up in a time when you kind of followed those same signs that my dad described to me, those yellow nuclear uh, bomb signs that you had to go into the basements. Like I, I get that was scary. It was scary. It's not, it's not who had it worse. It's not who had what. Here's the reality. We're trying to look at. See, we do so much in comparison. Well, I had it worse. Well, I did this. Well, we had no. The reality is, we're looking at how events shape our children, and our children are shaped by them. now. Now, my daughter Kaya has been on this show, and in fact, we talked about this very issue at one point. And she's a ninth grade student, and she talked about this recently, and she said for her, it's just been kind of a part of how she's grown up in terms of the drills and things like that, so those don't negatively impact her. But again, we we talk about that stuff, Rob. I have a daughter where we're, we're, we're having that conversation. That's, that's why your daughter, daughter is solid, because you have these conversations. And 
you know, even though my marriage didn't work, we're still very close. I've always had conversations with my children. The key is you have to talk to your children. And, you know, as tough as my father was, part of that greatest generation, I could talk to him about anything, as I could my mother. Adolescence, puberty, you know, fear, uh, struggling in school, you know, later in life, raising children as a single parent, whatever. I mean, I had that parent there. And, you know, the sad thing of it is I think I can kind of pinpoint my generation where a lot of this fear started to creep in. And it's appropriate because it's President's Day. Yeah. Or Washington's Day, as it officially is known as, as John Delano from TV2 told me earlier tonight, when JFK was assassinated, it was that wow factor to where we finally were vulnerable in this country. If they could kill the president, anything could happen to us. He was our leader, our mentor, like him or not. There was the portrait of him on top of the television. He was a sense of peace and hope and, and, and comfort. And when that happened... I think a lot of people changed their attitude and vulnerability when it came to just living in this great place that is the United States. And then obviously the Vietnam War, massive unemployment with the steel industry going away. And just in this region alone, hundreds of thousands of jobs that mm. were lost. Poverty went to the suburbs, went to the inner city. The drug issue became a big problem in the 70s and 80s. And now we're dealing with some of these issues today. And a lot of it has become almost common for us the way we live today Mm. because of that fear factor. That's why if you want to give your children a fighting chance, you have to do what Dr. Conti says all the time. You have to communicate with your children. Well, I was talking to a father one time who said his his daughter was like eight or nine years old, and he was showing, he said, I don't care if she sees these movies that are rated PG-13 or if they're rated R because, if it's rated R because of violence, he's like, because it doesn't bother her. She doesn't, she doesn't mind. And I said, no, you're saying it doesn't mind to her, and you think she's not being impacted. But here's how children act out. When they act out, that's because they have sadness inside them. Children who are depressed aren't going to sit and say, ah, oh, gee, you know, Dad, that movie was a little bit too much for me, and I've been really struggling with that reason. No, they're going to act out. They're going to lie. They're going to they're gonna be sneaky. That's really the impetus for how they're going to show Here's that. Here's how far the pendulum has swung backwards. And because of the ability to have smartphones and to listen to what's happening in the news and seeing videos that you and I would simply go, what? And to them, it's funny. It's the norm. Look at the shows that are on television. You know, someone that falls off of a top building and survives and breaks a leg. That's entertainment, okay? We are the ones that are shocked. And I told you moments ago, I still am uneasy sitting around my soon-to-be 19-year-old daughter if somebody's using four-letter words or even if there is a sexual content to it to where them, they're like, Dad, take it easy. And even when certain words are used amongst their friends, I will jump in and say, please not here. And they will say, dad, we hear that all the time. And I'm like, okay, fine, but I don't want to hear it. Right. It's just, we we grew up in a different time. And a lot of this, we kind of just let slip through the cracks year after year. And now we're dealing with the aftermath. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I, you brought up such a great point because I think it's really okay, and I want to empower parents out there who are listening. It's okay to set some ground, ground rules. And listen, I say to my daughter all the time, I say, listen, I would rather you know that I'm going to protect you no matter what. Like, I will fight for you. I will give everything for you. Um, and that means there sometimes there are things that I don't think that are appropriate for you to see. Now, here's what I would like to take to the next level. One of the things I have, and this comes back to what you said, talk to your children. So one of the things I talk to our daughter about all the time is what you 
put in your mind will be in your mind. So if you fill your head with violence, if you watch violent video games, if you do that, that's what's going to happen inside of you. And now you might notice that you might not notice it directly. You might say, oh, that game doesn't bother me. But then all of a sudden you're acting out and there's no connection. And this is the part. So I want to I want to eat humble pie here. When I was in grad school, I'd, drink, I'd down these Red Bulls. Oh, I'd down these Red Bulls, Rob. I was, I was like, fool, I need to be awake. I had energy, all this stuff. So my wife would tell me all the time, this Red Bull, it's not good for you. Don't be drinking these energy drinks. I said, no, you know what? I, I get, I'm i good. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't, doesn't affect me. At any, and I didn't sleep well or anything. But meanwhile, in my mind, I said, oh, it doesn't bother me. So I was in, uh, I was a professor out west, and I remember a grad student came in, and she said, you know, oh, you're drinking Red Bull. That's, re- that's really not good for you. And I looked, and I said, I said, you know what? Come to think of it, you're right. And so my wife said, you got to be kidding me. I've been telling you this for like 15 years. <laughs> so, But the point was this. I didn't think, as an intelligent human being, I didn't see the connection because the, the what I had in my mind, confirmation bias, was these drinks are helping me get through teaching classes with lots of energy, bringing lots of energy to people. That's what I do. But what I didn't see was the connection, how bad it was on me. Here's how you should really analyze this. Would you go 85 miles an hour in a car for an hour knowing eventually you're going to crash? It's the same thing with, and I'm not, this is not a slam on that energy drink because I know a lot of people that love it, enjoy it, and use it responsibly. But why would you rev yourself up to the point to get you over one moment in time when eventually you know it's going to be, I'm down for the count? <laughs> well, no, but it, because that's logic and that makes sense, and you're right, and I've come to learn through the years, of course, I understand that. But when you're going fast and furious, you're, you're, not, fast, you're, you're not thinking logically. Right. And so when it come back to our point about children and what they're taking in in their minds, they believe this doesn't affect me. And they're, oh, I didn't sleep that many hours last night, Daddy. Uh, that has nothing to do with what I watched last night. Well, yes, it does. Oh, but I, I, I've, been, I've been watching all this. I've been playing these violent games, and, and I, I've been anxious recently, but that has nothing to do. Yes, it does. There is a connection. What I want to do is hold up a mirror to the obvious connection that exists between watching this stuff and what goes on internally with our children. You remember the late, great Leonard Nimoy, the start of that yeah. great song many years ago, Pure Energy, Pure <laughs> Energy. Does anybody really have pure energy? Do our kids even get the right nutriments, the right amount of sleep? How many various energy drinks? Do you realize we could do a whole hour on all of the different types of energy drinks? And let me tell you this, when was it in our childhood that at 17 you needed an energy drink to get through a game of pickup <laughs> basketball or your homework. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't have energy. No, drinks. we had pasta, <laughs> we had meatballs, and we had our parents. That's right. And my dad gave me great advice when I was in grad school. He said, listen, if you eat a candy bar right before you take your test, it's going to kick in and give you energy. He was right, 100% right. And uh, I, I used to do that for years. I'd eat a candy bar right before i take a test, and they give me that rush. Um, but it's more than that. It's understanding that connection. So tonight we're trying to shine light on the connection between what your children might be watching, and what they might be experiencing. It it, it might be, so here's, let me go deep for a minute. We have in our brain something called mirror neurons. These are, neurons are just nerve cells. So that sounds fancy, but they're just nerve cells. It's how our brain communicates. It, one nerve cell talks to another one. So there are mirror neurons, which are, when we watch somebody else do something, our brain processes it as if we're doing it ourselves. So now let's take this to violence. When you're watching violence, you're experiencing that violence. Whether you're the victim of it, whether you're the perpetrator of that violence, you're experiencing it. 
Now, let me help bring this to reality. The violent video games are so powerful, and I told you I'd say this during this commercial, but or during this segment, and that's this. In pre-World War One, fewer than 20% of the soldiers could point a gun at somebody, point blank range, and actually pull the trigger. Because when they saw the whites of their eyes, they're like, I'm killing another human being. I can't do this. But by World War, by, by Vietnam War, more than 80% of the soldiers could stand point blank range and point the trigger. And here's what they did. Before World War One, here's what they did. They trained soldiers by shooting at red uh, targets, little circle targets. Hey, get accurate with what you're shooting at. Well, by Vietnam, what they did was they used human cutouts, wooden cutouts. And so people got so used to seeing these cutouts, they got comfortable shooting that. As they do get desensitized when it comes to video games. That's it. So the first person shooter games are literally training people to be desensitized to violence. I'm telling you, we got a whole lot more coming up tonight. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. He's Rob Pratt. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. What's up, everyone? I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. I want to give a shout out to my boy, Justin. Listen, there's a, a there are so many people out there doing incredible work. And my boy, Justin, is training people in the Department of Corrections. He's phenomenal. He's dedicated. This man wakes up early every single day. He goes to bed late. He's dedicated to his craft. And I'm just proud to, to know him, and I'm proud for the connection. But, yeah, I just want to give him a shout-out because I know he's listening tonight. But it's, 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 it's incredible to me when I watch people care about their jobs because, Rob, that's what we need. We need people who are caring about their jobs. It really it, it has to be a passion to where when they do it, they really believe they're making a difference. And I hope that he knows and people that do – a lot of the same work understand from me tonight, they're making a huge difference every day, even though they may not see results at that moment, believe me, it adds up. And in the end, it's good thing. Well, so what I told, what I told Justin, I said, listen, you're training people all the time. So here's what happens. You don't see it. That's exactly your point. You're hundred percent right. I was like, you don't see it, but two years from now, somebody might be like, oh yes, he taught me that. I get it now. I understand it. We understand on a different level. We have to be patient but we do need to teach these lessons. We need to break these lessons out. That's why I think this is important for our children because if our children aren't made aware that what they're putting in their mind is determining how they're feeling, well, it's impacting them. We're seeing it. Here it is in a nutshell, and you can pick this up next hour, and, and, and I really believe this. My mom and dad used to always say it, grandparents, let a child be a child as long as they can. Let them live in a cocoon. Let them feel nurtured and loved. And most importantly, let them feel safe. For some reason, our society, I don't know what it is, but there is this need to let children grow way beyond their years. It's like it's the status thing to do as opposed to loving, hugging, nurturing, and protecting. And by the time they get to a certain age, believe me, their natural instincts will kick in. Why? Because they understand the difference between comfort and not being comfortable. So I can tell when I'm getting older because I forget like authors' names. I used to like I, I I read incessantly for years. I still do read incessantly, but not, the authors' names fall out of my head a little faster these days. But there was a book called The Disappearance of Childhood 
I think it's a great book. I I do remember that's the title, but it's called The Disappearance of Childhood. And here's what I I read this when I was in grad school before my wife and I had our daughter. And this book impacted me in a great way. And, And here's why. One of the things that the author described that was so important was this. In this, he wrote this back in the 80s. So this wasn't like today's internet age. This was pre all that stuff. But what it was, was he was saying on television, children are being exposed to things that they normally wouldn't be exposed to until later on. And now when you understand that in the context of the internet age, when children who are six years old are tuning into things that are rated R, my goodness, you're going, these kids, they're missing out on exactly what you said. They're missing out on having a childhood because they're not having that protective bubble of saying, we need time to help you develop. Humans don't come out of the womb ready to run like a baby deer. We need time to develop. By the way, that book was written by Neil Postman. And yes, yes, Neil Postman, no, wait. that's it. The internet and Google do great things. It's like a, a piece of machinery or any type of power tool. If you use it and do not follow the directions, it can really come back to hurt you. But if you use it wisely, social media is an incredible, incredible tool, and it's helping people communicate every day. Here's the phrase to remember for our number two, Doc. The age of innocence. Where is it? It's long gone and you know what? We have nobody to blame but ourselves. So the best thing we can do is to actually try to re-engage our children. But here's what else I see that's so sad. I never corrected my parents when they gave me parenting advice, parenting advice, but I see it all the time. And I want to say, how did you survive this long? Maybe you should listen to them. The last time I looked, you're not Dr. Spock and you haven't written a book about, you know, raising children. Why don't you listen to somebody who's been there, done that? If there's anything that frustrates me more is when parents do not take advice from their parents because they feel as though they have literally wrote in the book on how to be the best parent on the earth. There was a t-shirt my wife was going to get me. It's, I, I hope she gets it for me. This is a hint. You can get this for me. So she said it's, it said something like, uh, I'm old. How do you think I got to be old? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Experience wins out every right. single time, whether you're playing poker or you're dealing with life. Experience <laughs> is always giving somebody the edge. And my idea is, why not get that edge and go with experience? I love it. So listen, I, if you've listened to my show at all, you know that I'm not an extremist. I'm not going from one extreme to another. What I'm all about is education. So when we're talking about educating our children, when we're talking about making our children aware of the dangers that they might confront, it's important to teach them. That's why I think these. it's not a matter of should we do these drills, should we not do these drills. It's a matter of being mindful. How are we uh, doing these drills, what impact are they having, and then how are we preparing our children for the dangers that they might incur? Uh, and it might not be just at school. Um, I have a good friend, Rich, who made me aware, and he was. We were talking about this. He said it could be how, you have to prepare your children for what dangers they encounter at the mall, or they might be worried about what dangers they encounter at, at the supermarket. Wherever you have to prepare them. And my dad gave me this advice. Um, you know, he he has a website called. This is not your practice life.com. Love it. My dad's so smart. But he always said he's always said this to me. What you prepare for, what you anticipate is significantly less of a problem than that which you don't anticipate. The journey that you are on now began many years ago by that man who has got that website, the former teacher. You learn from someone who understood the rules of the road. And thus, you've added a little sprinkle of this and that to your own recipe. But I know you're the first to admit if it wasn't for your parents, there would be no Dr. Christian Khan. First to admit and who you think my first person is I call when I do anything in my life. I call my dad first.
I still call him, but he just doesn't answer. You understand? <laughs> but I know he's there. Yeah, no, and yeah. I still learn from him every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, I mean, we're not only is, do I mean this on an, on an existential and a very real level that I learn from my parents every day. Um, I'm literally learning from my dad every day. And if you want to learn from my dad, I'm telling you, this guy's brilliant. Check out, this is not your practice life dot com. He writes articles just about every day. He's got thousands of articles there for you to check out, but definitely check that out. This is not your practice life.com. So we're going to talk about tonight. Like if you have questions, we want you to call in 866-391-1020 is a number. Rob, thank you for spending time with me tonight. Thank you. It was a real honor. I mean, Rob is the best. Like you don't understand. He's a mentor. He's a friend. And he looked at me and he said, listen, your voice is you're barely holding on to your voice. I'm, I'm gonna stay around and help you out. Just so make sure you. you make that official, so nobody in the audience thinks that you actually needed me here tonight. He did not, for the knowledge. He just needed me for support because of the vocal cords, and I really learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for you, what you taught me. I think it's interesting because in radio you don't see behind the scenes. Like for instance, you don't know I'm a six foot. 250 pound bald guy with a beard and tattoos. But when you see behind the scenes, you learn so much more. And I've learned so much from Rob Pratt. Hey, we got a whole bunch more for you tonight on emotional management on KDKA radio. Man, I'm so grateful to Rob Pratt, and that last hour was really awesome to have him in studio and to have that conversation. I, you know, I the insight is profound. I, I really believe that we need to have conversations. That's why, that's why I do it. That's why I want to do this show, because I want us to have conversations about about what's going on in life. So look, it's the second hour. We got a whole bunch coming your way. 866-391-1020 is a number. If you want to be a part of the show, in case you missed it, I gave a shout out earlier to Sean Sandler, my man. Happy birthday. I hope you're having a great day. I hope this is a great way to wind down your evening. And I've got a little story here for you. And I want you to hear this. And I want everyone listening to hear this. A water buffalo, water buffalo, a water buffalo jumped through a window. His horns made it through, his neck made it through, and his body made it through. But his tail got caught in the window. He didn't make it all the way through the window. He was close, but he didn't finish. Almost enlightenment is not enlightenment. It can be difficult to fail. It can be devastating to lose something we've worked for and desire. Failure can lead us to feeling overwhelmed and believing we might as well just give up. We might try for years to gain wisdom that seems to remain ever elusive, but trying to gain that wisdom and actually gaining it are two different entities altogether. Maybe every obstacle that has gotten in our paths has been there for a reason. Maybe holding on to uh, just a little bit longer. Maybe holding on a little longer is... That's exactly what we need to do. Maybe like the buffalo, we're one instant away from achieving what we're seeking. And maybe, just maybe, what we need to do is keep trying. It can be overwhelming to not be where we want to be in life. But my guess is that it'll be more overwhelming if at the time of our death we look back and see that we gave up. Just because something seems impossible doesn't mean that it is. We all have to find a way to keep moving forward despite any obstacle because almost enlightenment is not the same as enlightenment. 
Look, if you like that story, I, I, I write about that in a book I wrote called Teaching Stories, 53 Bits of Advice, Random Ideas, and Half-Told Tales to Contemplate and Spark Personal Growth, Teaching Stories. It's a book filled with one to two page stories where you can get some insight and, uh, and really start to get some intentionality about the way you look at the world. Look, almost enlightenment isn't quite enlightenment. I, I wrote about this once a while ago. I said 26 miles. So think about what a marathon is. A marathon is 26.2 miles. That means if you run 26 miles, you haven't done a marathon. Like you've run a long way, longer than I've run, longer than I can imagine running, but at 26 miles, you haven't run a marathon. You can't call it a marathon. You can call it 26 miles, but to run a marathon, you have to run 26.2 miles. And the same is true in life with whatever goals you have. You might get almost there, but almost there isn't there. Sometimes what we need to do is hold on. Sometimes we need to hold on. There was a woman who was inebriated at the bar and she's, she, she saw an older man at the bar and she said, man, this guy has some answers for me. And the guy just looked like a wise old man. So she said, I'm going to go ask this guy for some wisdom. So she figured out the question. She figured out the question she always wanted to know. And she stumbled over to this guy and she asked the question. She actually got it out. She got out the question exactly the way she wanted to ask it. And much to her surprise, the man answered it. Oh my goodness, he answered it. He gave her that answer that she was seeking and it clicked, everything inside her clicked. And she thought, my goodness, this is amazing. But remember, she was inebriated. She really wasn't under the best frame of mind. So by the time she got back to her friends and and told them about the situation, she said, but here's what he said. And she forgot what he said. And she forgot what he said. And then the next morning when she woke up, she thought, I, I did meet the guy who had all the answers. And I, I asked him the right question, but he gave me an answer. And the answer resonated with me, but, but I don't remember what that answer was. You see, there's a saying in Zen tradition that says, enlightenment's going to come to everyone. At some point in time, the world, the universe is going to answer with some sort of enlightenment. But if you're not practicing zazen, which is sitting meditation, if you're not practicing a methodology to receive that answer, then that answer is going to come and go just as if you are inebriated at a bar and someone gives you an answer. Look, to be able to really get the answers, we've got to practice it. Now, what does this have to do with the whole first half of the show? Well, I think everything because we are preparing our children when we talk about these these getting them ready for emergencies. We're preparing them. We're preparing them for life. I talk about a lifelong obstacle course. As long as you're alive, you're going to encounter obstacles. The question isn't whether or not you should or shouldn't encounter those obstacles. The question is whether or not you will be prepared for those obstacles. And to prepare for those obstacles, you've got to be mindful about what might come up. What might come up? The best athletes in the world visualize Whatever obstacles they might encounter, but here's the, here's the rub. Here's where that really makes them great. The greatest athletes not only picture those obstacles, but they picture ways around those obstacles. And that's the same for you and for me and for our children. We need to understand that they're going to encounter obstacles 
and we want to prepare them for them. And we don't want to just prepare them halfway when they're not paying attention. We don't want to prepare them like the woman in the bar who got the answer when she was not prepared to hear it. We want to prepare our children when we can actually sit down with them in a way that actually feeds their souls. We want to sit, prepare them in a way that helps them get ready to take in the information. And to do that takes effort. It takes effort. Look, a lot of what I teach isn't complex. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not. It's psychology. Psychology is not rocket science, nor should it be. Sometimes it's awful, common sense, but there's a difference between understanding something and doing it. You know that as well as I. Knowledge is wonderful. Knowledge is great. Knowledge in many ways is power, but knowledge is not wisdom. Enacting your knowledge, well, that's wisdom. And that's what we're all really seeking. And we all, we all need each other. We need insights from others. But the problem is we get our egos. Our egos get caught up in saying we have the answers. We know what's right. We know how the world is. And we're not really ready to question things. We're only really ready to have the world fit into what we already see it as. But if we step back and we question, what are we teaching? What are we, what are we offering our children? What are we offering ourselves? What are we filling our own minds with? And my question now comes to you directly. What are you filling your mind with. Well, super grateful and humbled that you're filling your mind with this show. And so because of that, I want to give you my best. And here's my best. You are contributing to the content of the universe right here, right now. What you say, how you respond, how you comment at the comment section of a video, how you react on Facebook, how you uh, tweet on Twitter, however you respond to the world, whatever you say, you're adding content to the universe. And you can say, well, I didn't mean to say that, or, oh, no, I don't want those words to be reflective of who I am, but the reality is they are. If you go off on people about how they should believe what you believe and think the way you think and feel the way you feel, well, that's what you're contributing to the universe, a self-centered perspective that says whatever I believe is the way the world should be. But if you're open, if you're willing to learn, if you're ready to seek wisdom, enlightenment, then be prepared and go all in. To do that, we have to set our egos aside. We have to be prepared, but we have to practice a methodology so that when we do hear that answer, we're ready to hold it. We're ready to hold that space because if you've been practicing, you'll be ready for it. And I want to help you practice. I want to help you get ready. If I can help you out in any way, the number is 866-391-1020. I got a bunch of questions we're going to get to, but obviously I love talking to you most. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. The number is 866 866- Three nine one ten twenty. We are really talking about um, some powerful stuff tonight because, w- listen, when we talk about these drills that the kids go through at schools, so they're preparing them across the country. They're preparing children for the potential threat, the realistic threat of a shooter, a school shooter. And so our children, much like in... Um, you know, from my, my parents' generation where they would see the yellow signs of a nuclear threat and go down to the basement, they're preparing children for the potential threat they might encounter. So the question is, can drills that are realistic be harmful or are the kids exposed to so much violence 
from their games and TV and all that stuff, that realistic drills would have minimal impact on the kids. Here's here's what I think, and that's a great question. I believe that 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 whatever we're watching is impacting us, and we try to minimize that. We try to say, well, you know what? No, it's not really bothering me. And here's the deal. So. One of the things I like, um, I like to cut the grass because when I'm done cutting the grass, I get to look at the yard and say, look, I did that. It's done. I can see it. It's concrete. It's physical. It's tangible. It's kind of cool. But the majority of my career has spent 21 years working with people in the human mind, the human psyche. You don't always see what you do. You don't see whether or not if somebody was impacted or not, sometimes you just plant seeds And I've been blessed. I've been blessed to be in this field so long that I've had people come back and talk to me after 10, 15 years and say that the seeds I planted took root. And that's awesome. It's incredible. It's humbling to be a part of. But we don't always see that. And I like seeing that physical stuff. But let's come back to how we don't always see the psychology of an impact, the psychological impact for someone. So for children, when they're playing violent video games, do you notice a level of agitation, irritability that might be statistically significant compared to the times when they're not playing those video games? And if you don't notice that difference, or maybe now that I'm saying it, maybe you do, maybe you do notice a little bit, a little bit more agitation, irritability, quick, quick, quick tempered. Well, what is it? Well, here's what happens neurologically when you are watching violence your brain's amygdala two little almond shaped parts of your brain that are responsible for your fight or flight response your amygdala go off so it's amygdala if it's one but we have two so it's amygdala your amygdala are lighted up and they say okay let's watch out we gotta get ready for this protect ourselves Now, when that happens, they send a message to your adrenal glands to say, let's go protect this person. You're either going to fight, flee, or freeze. And now there's an impact. There is an impact. Whether you believed you were in danger or whether you were actually in danger, your brain responds in the same way. It's what I talked about last week in terms of the neurology of fear and anxiety, neurologically fear and anxiety or twins, you can't watch a brain scan and say, well, this person's anxious versus this person's afraid because neurologically it occurs in the same way. We know that anxiety is, by definition, uh, a response that's too much for what the situation warrants. But in fact, it is impacting your brain. No matter what, it's impacting your brain. So let's come back to this. So we we do these drills and we say, how does this impact our children? Well, it could be your result, what you could do could be as simple as pulling your children aside and having them say, you know what, uh, we did it today. No, it didn't bother me. It was good. And that could be it. That could be the release. We're not talking about rocket science. We're talking about psychology. Sometimes what people need is just to acknowledge the reality of what they experienced and they want to feel validated like someone else heard it or someone else acknowledged that what they just went through was difficult and challenging. Sometimes that's all we need. Now, sometimes it might be a conversation. Sometimes it might be, you know what, this part did scare me, or I am really worried about this right now. And if your children are worried about that kind of stuff, it's really wise not to downplay. It's really wise not to gloss over it. 
and maybe you don't want your children to feel sad. So you say, no, you don't feel sad. No, you're not worried about that. I've, I went through stuff like that. You're not worried about it. You don't want to do that because in so doing, you're invalidating your child's experience. And the reality is that people's perception is reality. Let me take you back about 20 years in the field of psychology they used to identify post-traumatic stress as witnessing an event. So you, you had, you'd witness an event that was striking, shocking, horrifying. But one of the things that changed in the way they diagnosed post-traumatic stress is you no longer had to actually sit there and witness it. It could be the perception of the event. And I've talked to people, I was talking to somebody recently, I was talking about this very subject and a guy said, well, it's, it's not like it is back when I grew up. He's like, everybody's soft nowadays. So it's, it's, they, they can't handle it. And I said, no, let's not be, let's not jump into the either or let's not jump into the, it's my day versus your day. And let's, let's go a little bit more gray. Matter of fact, let's look at gray matter. That was a good transition right there. So we look at gray matter in the brain and we say, Ashley's making fun of me because that was a good transition though. Um, So we look at gray matter, we look at the brain and we say, you know what? When we look at the gray matter, we understand that the perception of an event as traumatic is traumatic because your neurons are firing in a way that responds just as if you were seeing it. So it's not a matter of being soft. It's a matter of understanding more now than we've ever understood. Look, we know more access to brain scans. We have more access to what goes on in the, in the brain. And we have a long way to go to really truly understand it, but we're getting a lot more information. So do we know a little bit more than in the past? Yes, we do. But one thing is true. And that is this. What you put in your mind will be in your mind. And, and if we're talking about how do we, so how do we prepare our children for a potential crisis without alarming them? And I'm not sure it's mutually exclusive. I I think at some point we need to understand that these things are going to cross, but again, we're preparing them for life. They're not in a bubble. Although I do definitely agree with what Rob and I were talking about earlier in terms of let's give our children a space to develop without having to be exposed to unnecessary violence. But at the same time, we need time for our children to develop. We are not, we are not out on the plains where, you know, we're not deer out on the plains of Africa where we jump out as soon as we're born and we take off running. We're not. We takes, it takes a while for us to develop. And because of that, we need to be mindful to protect our children and keep them safe. And at a minimum, if we're preparing them for reality, at least let's have a conversation. Hey, honey, what happened in school today? I heard you had a drill. Nothing. It was fine. Cool. I see that it was fine. It didn't bother you. Tell me about it. What did it look like? And, and by doing that, you start to have a conversation. Tell me about it. What was it like? We can't take away our pain from our children. We can't make our children not experience the things that we don't want them to experience, but we can prepare them and we prepare them by having dialogue, by having conversations. It's one of the most beautiful things about human beings. We're able to pass on knowledge because we can have these conversations, whether it's in written word or whether it's in these conversations about what we learned. So let's have these conversations. If you want to talk and have this conversation on the phone with me tonight, it's 866-391-1020. Maybe you have children who are in school. Maybe you have grandchildren in school. 
and you want to know how to talk to them about it, well, give me a call. We'll talk about it. 866-391-1020. In the meantime, I want to make you aware of my latest book. It's called Walking Through Anger. The whole purpose is to confront conflict head on, but to do so in a way that actually works. We got a whole lot more coming up tonight on Emotional Management on KDK Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. So, Listen, I would love to talk to you. 866-391-1020 is the number, but I want to go to some email questions um, because the email questions, I I definitely want to be able to address these. So from Chantel, the question is, what if your partner doesn't want to go to bed when you're both angry? So I, this came, I have a video where I talk about if you're angry, by all means, go to bed. Get a good night's sleep. If you wake up in the morning and you're still mad, keep fighting. But the truth is, there's an old wives tale that says never go to bed angry. And the problem with that is, and and this is a real problem because you have to remember too what I do for a living. I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. And so I've seen a lot of domestic violence around people who upon reflection the next day we're fighting because one or both was overly tired and it escalated from there so what i'm asking you to do is be mindful not to just say oh let's just let's never go to bed angry because no listen i like the idea behind that that's a great idea let's talk it out let's make it right and in theory that's a great idea if you're talking about two really healthy high functioning people who can get through a situation wonderful, great idea, but that's not the reality for everyone. And I deal in a reality where I see the things that are actually happening. And so because I see these things that are actually happening is very important to me that I get this message out there. Sometimes it's important to go to bed angry, wake up. And if you feel like fighting, keep fighting. But I can't tell you through the years, how many guys I had in my anger management groups who would come back the next week and say, my goodness, that advice changed me because last week my girl and I were fighting. I suggest that we go to sleep. We go to sleep next day. I wake up and we say, what are you, what are you mad at? I'm not mad at anything. Are you mad? Nope. I'm not mad. And that happens. And it happens because our minds want to match our bodies. And sometimes our bodies, especially when we have a lack of sleep are really vibing in an area of our brain called the hypothalamus, which is a fancy name, but it's really the center of hunger, thirst, fatigue, body temperature. So if you've ever been hungry and you've had an argument with a loved one, it's because you're emotional. It's because the hypothalamus is literally seated in the midst of your limbic system. That's the middle of your emotional system, which means when you're hungry, when you're tired, you're emotional. So if your mind wants to match your body, that means when you're emotional, you're going to start throwing accusa- wild accusations because you want to make sense of why your body feels the way it does. So this is my advice. is It is sometimes you need to go to bed angry. And so anyway, Chantel was responding to that particular video, and she says, what if your partner does not want to go to bed um, and they want to solve the argument right there and then? And they know you're tired. You try to resolve it. And just when it starts to get better, you start to get a slight flare of anger again. And then 
you're back to zero. By then it's 2 a.m. on a weekday and you're exhausted and you have to go to work. So how do you avoid that? Chantel, great question. Thank you for this question. I don't think you're alone in asking it. I think we are... um, We understand that this message, this show reaches people all over the world, and there are people in many different areas of the world where you're exhausted, you're tired, and your partner, so let's say your partner, so your partner hasn't watched the Dr. Conti video, your partner says, nah, let's, let's, let's talk it out. So what you might say to your partner is this, you might share this conscious information to say, listen, I want to talk it out. I wish we could resolve it right now. Here's my fear that we might honestly be creating a problem that doesn't exist right now because that's actually what happens. So watch this. This is life-changing information. If you and I downed three energy drinks really quickly, oh my goodness, one after another. Now our body is going to feel physiologically anxious. Our heart's going to start racing. Our body might start shaking. And now our body's going to mimic physiological anxiety. And when your body's feeling physiologically anxious, your mind will race to make up a story to match. So the story might be, oh no, this is the end of the world. Oh no, you did this. Oh no, we never did finish that argument from three weeks ago. And now we start to create unnecessary and heightened arguments that don't need to be there. When in reality, if we could step back and say, listen, I'm feeling off, like way off. I am. I feel agitated. I feel irritable. I don't feel heard. But I also recognize that you don't feel heard too. And I want to help you feel heard, but right now I don't feel like I'm in the best state of mind to do that. Let's let's take a good let's get a good night's sleep in the morning. Let's honestly set aside time to talk about it. And when you're when you're dedicated in that way, when you when you make it a priority, what I have found and remember it's not like I just made up this concept and walked into the microphone tonight. Like I've been doing this for 21 years. I've seen people all over the world. I have clients all over the world. I've been doing this a long time and I see that that's effective to actually have that conversation and say, you know what? I don't feel good. I don't even feel good ending this conversation on a sour note, but I do understand that it might be partially because I'm overly tired. And when we, we put that out there, And we make that a reality. It changes our relationship because now we're not fighting over midair. Now we're not fighting over an imaginary argument that we created in our minds. Now we're able to bring it down to reality. Listen, emotional management is emotional management just for that. Like this isn't easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I did. I did say earlier, it's not rocket science and it's not, it's not, but it takes effort. And see, the problem I think a lot of us encounter is we understand these concepts easily intellectually, but understanding something intellectually doesn't mean that you're ready to actually live on it, act on it, do something with it. So part of your challenge is saying to your ego, don't just tell me I know this. It's funny, I present. I present all over the country. So I'll do these presentations and I can always tell in the crowd who's insecure and who's more secure. If people are really insecure, the first thing they want to do is tell me how they already know whatever it is that I'm going to say. If people are more secure with themselves, even if it might be a concept they're familiar with, they might be excited about hearing a new twist on it. And I'm that way. I I love to hear information. I believe every human being on this planet can teach me and I'm excited to learn what I can learn from everyone. 
So I don't look at people and say, oh no, I, I need to tell you what I know right away. I, I look at them and say, teach me, teach me because I, what a blessing. When we're speaking, we're not learning. And that's, that's a heck of a thing for someone who hosts a radio show to say, <laughs> because apparently I'm not learning in this moment, but it's true. It's not when we're speaking, we're telling people what we know, but when we're listening, we're able to actually take in information and that's a blessing. That's a blessing. So sometimes you need to go to bed angry and that's okay. Chantel, what I would invite you to do is say to your partner, um, look, let's, let's talk this out, um, in the morning. Let's get a good night's sleep because right now I'm really agitated. And sometimes it's just a matter of saying it. It's saying that something's going on. Let's go to the phone lines. Taylor, you're on emotional management. Hi, Dr. Conti. How are you? Taylor. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So I have a question pertaining to negotiations in business. And my question is how to deal with emotions and also achieve a outcome that's economically advantageous for both parties while maintaining a good relationship and um, having positive attitudes throughout the negotiation. That's a great, great question. Um, I imagine there's a lot to that. So let me give you my projection of what it might be about and then give me what it's really about. But I'm going to start with my projection. If you go into a negotiation and you're attached to what you believe and you're attached to your perspective, there's a better chance that you're going to butt heads with that person. But if you go in there saying, this is my position, but I'm open to seeing another side. I mean, I think that's a, that's, a, that's one of the quick answers for how to get through some of those emotional struggles. What kind of struggles do you see with that, though? Can you still hear me? Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Oh, yeah, okay. So what kind of things do you hear or what kind of things do you might see with that? Well, I often see in negotiations that sometimes one party has a much better position than the other individual. So sometimes there are a lot of negative emotions that come along with that because they feel as if they already know their positions better going into nego- ne- negotiations. So they already have an ego that's very high. Yeah, and I think that's actually really true. That's spot on. I think a lot of people do go into a negotiation thinking, I already know exactly what I want and I know exactly how it's going to end. I think that that's, that flies in the face of what we understand to be truly intellectual because even a recent study demonstrated that some of the higher intelligence, it's easier to spot intelligence when people are actually open to learning something new in the midst of an emotional situation. I think that's powerful information. That means because next time you're in a negotiation, you walk in and say, this is my side and I believe it. I'm passionate about it, but I'm open to what might be on the other side. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much, Dr. Conti. Thank you so much for calling. Have a great night. This will certainly help me in the next negotiation that I encounter. Thank you. You too. Have a beautiful night. Thanks. Take care. We have a whole lot more coming up on Emotional Management on KDK Radio. All 
I'm so grateful that you have joined me here tonight. I, I Listen, I get humbled by this. I hear from people all over the world, and uh, it's pretty impactful to me. Actually, I want to go to a question from Anthony in Melbourne, Australia. Anthony says that he uh, recently came across uh, my work, and he was saying, uh, the, expressing gratitude. Uh, appreciate so much this this letter. It's super powerful. Um, let me let me give you some of the essence of it. He says that after cycling, he had a cycling accident five months ago where he left half of his face on the road and not being able to sleep for two and a half months. He was struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. He wasn't able to eat or move without pain. He went back to work and training within five days and, and, and just was mentally crushed in the end. Um, he said his, his daughter had him hospitalized for over three weeks and he has a lot of shame about how he's hurt his loved ones and failed them, especially his wife. He says he's getting help now. And he said the message that he really wants to share with people is to get help from your general practitioner, from your general, from your GP or your doctor, uh, your medical doctor, as soon as possible. Um, I, I, Anthony, I love you making people aware of that because you're right. I think... So I, I did a video on understanding post-traumatic stress disorder. If you go to YouTube, you just type in Dr. Christian Conti or Conti, whatever, C-O-N-T-E. Um, but I did a video on handling PTSD. I actually made this video because there was a person who wrote into me and he had been, I made a video on anxiety. So this guy wrote in, he, he was critically injured in a suicide bombing in Pakistan he asked if I would write in and, or asked if, he, if I would do a video on PTSD. So I did. It was actually the video that kind of made me realize I really wanted to keep making these videos on YouTube because I was really moved that these things can impact people all over the world. So anyway, I made this video on PTSD. And um, so this is the video that, that Anthony, I think, watched and he saw this. And in the video, and this is this is an important point that I want to make now. If you have a knee injury, if you fall and you hurt, tear your meniscus in your knee, well, you get a, a band-aid or you, you, you get a cast and people see it and you understand don't run, don't do whatever you need to do until that heals because you can see it. But here's what happens when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder. It's actually what I would call a psychological injury, but because you can't see it, because you can't put the cast on your leg, you start to think, well, it's not that big of a deal, or I can handle this, or I feel agitated and irritable, but I shouldn't snap out on others. So, And there's all this conflict and all this inner turmoil, and what I believe is that the more you address that directly, the better chance you have to get through it. So, Anthony, A, I'm so sorry for what you've gone through. I can't imagine that wreck. I can't imagine the pain that you've gone through over the last several months where you feel that you've put a wedge between you and your wife, where you feel struggles with you and your daughter. But here's something that I think is, I hope to spark light inside of you. And that's this, there is hope, there is help. And when you, when you start to reach out to somebody about post-traumatic stress disorder, you understand that it is neurological, it is it is a an injury. It's what I would call a psychological injury. And I don't care how strong you are in life, I don't care how tough you are. I work with some of the best UFC fighters in the world. The reality is we have a three pound brain. 
and post-traumatic stress disorder affects that three-pound brain, no matter if you're a world heavyweight UFC champion, no matter who it is, it affects your brain. And so now what do we do with that? Well, you learn about it. You understand that there are, there are treatments, there are things you can do, but talk to your doctor, talk to your medical doctor. If you're feeling agitated, irritable, you're not sleeping, you're finding yourself triggered by situations and you're saying, why am I triggered by that? Why is that bothering me like that? Why is that getting to me? That is That does not mean in any way that you're weak. It doesn't mean you're soft. It doesn't mean that at all. Matter of fact, a lot of people who struggle with post-traumatic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder are actually very physically tough and mentally tough and they go through a lot. So they say, well, I shouldn't bother myself. I shouldn't worry about this. But what I want you to know is that you have a three pound brain and it's worth it to talk to your doctor. It's worth it to talk to a mental health specialist. It's worth it to talk it out because you don't have to suffer and not know what's going on. Hey, listen, every week I'm here Monday nights, eight to 10. I love doing this show. I love listening. I love getting emails and and questions from all over, but I also love talking to you. So every week you have an opportunity to call in and talk about whatever you're going through. I wrote a new book uh, called Walking Through Anger. I'd love for you to take a look at that. It's about personal growth. It's about facing conflict head on. You're always going to face conflict. You're never, as long as you're alive, you're going to face conflict. But the question is, can you, how do you handle it? What's the most effective way? So in Walking Through Anger, I talk about how you can handle it and how you can handle talking to others who are struggling with anger. I also want to give a big thank you to Ashley, producer, extraordinaire, phenomenal. Um, Super grateful for her. Super grateful for you listening. And as always, more than anything, I wish you much peace. This is Dr. Christian Conti on Emotional Management, KDK Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm so grateful for everyone out there who takes time to listen. I want to extend my gratitude to you. Thank you for writing in. It's kind of cool to see that people write in from all over the world. But here's something that I want you to take from that. Not just that it's cool, but that people everywhere are going through things. You're going through things. So am I. So is everyone in life. And see, to me, that's an impetus for us to be kind to others, to be patient with others. Because when that person cuts you off in traffic, they might very well be cutting you off because they're in a hurry to get to the hospital to see their loved one. When that person snaps at you at work, they might very well snap at you at work because they're going through a divorce at home. We have no idea what people are going through, but the more we take time to try to see the world through other people's eyes, the more patience, the more compassion, the more love we have. And really, we need to be easy on each other because honestly, we're all struggling in some ways. Everyone. I don't care if you're a world leader. I don't care no matter what your job is, no matter what you do, we're all struggling. Life's challenging. Let's be easy on each other. Hey, until next time, as always, I wish you much peace.